So welcome back to A Place to Thrive. This is the final episode of season one, Aww. which is very sad, but not too sad because we're going to be coming back for season two. As you know, we have been looking at how you make workplaces healthier and happier and make places to work that people actually want to come to. And what we wanted to do for our last episode was talk to some people who didn't work in a traditional, in inverted commas, I'm doing the bunny ears, nine to five way. We are interviewing lots of different people who work differently. They work for themselves or they work remotely or they work various different roles um, to understand how they keep themselves healthy and happy. We've got Martin and Jack here. Martin, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do and how you work that isn't kind of traditional? Uh, I'm Martin Fitzpatrick. I, uh, I'm an internal comms business partner for BT. The key part of my role is to help leaders become better communicators. And then I'm more broadly looking at engagement in the workplace and how do we make BT a great place for people to work and feel part of the BT family. I've been doing internal comms for, I don't know, 10 years, maybe more now. And through that time, I've for a whole bunch of different organisations, Vodafone, B&Q, Kingfisher, BT. Um, and it's really interesting. As I've gotten older and my life has mm-hmm. changed, I've got a little boy now, he's 18 months old. And so the idea of working in a pattern that works for my family is really important to me. Mm. Particularly the last probably three or four years, I've really started to look at how can I work differently so I'm not present in the office kind of online 24 hours a day Mm. definitely early in my career it was emails all day on my phone on my device on my laptop working early in the morning to late at night in the office you know with a lot of presenteeism these days i go into the office only when i absolutely have to have face-to-face meetings or to just see my team and meet up Mm. with those guys so i'll be present in the office maybe once a week twice a week at the max the rest of the time i'll kind of probably start earlier in the morning because my little boy wakes me up at six (laughs) o'clock so we'll get up we'll have breakfast I'll start my day off, take him to nursery, come back, do a bit of work, take some time off in the afternoon to go to the gym or or do whatever. And then when he comes home, we'll have dinner together as a family. And then I might check my emails, do a bit of work, catch up later at eight, nine o'clock at night. You have to build that with your team, with your Mm, stakeholders, with the people you work with, because I'm also very conscious that doesn't work for everyone and so I need to balance my needs with my team's Mm. needs. And that can be challenging, but um, we make it work. How on earth did you get BT to let you do that? I think it's becoming less unusual, actually. I think it's about mm-hmm. setting realistic expectations. And so I had a similar workflow when I was at B&Q, actually. And, and so I think it's about being realistic up front about what you need from the role, mm-hmm. how it can work, and mm-hmm. having that conversation from B- as part of the interview process. I think a lot of times okay. people forget that you're interviewing the place you're working as yeah. well. So if you're not taking the opportunity to have those conversations right up front and you're willing to say pretty much whatever it takes to get the job, then you kind mm-hmm. of, you make it very difficult when you arrive in the mm. door to then have the conversation. So um, myself and, and Lisa McNamara, who I work for, we had that conversation the very first time we met. And I kind of said, look, I've got a little boy. Um, I actually live in Swindon and I work in London. And so that's, you know, literally across the country to come mm. to work every day. But I've loved to come and work here. It's a great role here's what would make that work for me. Mm. I think that's a key takeaway, actually, because I was mentoring somebody recently and they were Mm. starting out in a new job and they were asking advice on how to, you know, get started. And I I said to them, the first thing I think you need to do is actually set expectations. So it's not just about you clarifying exactly what 
they expect of you in terms of performance mm. and hours, etc. It's actually about you setting, you know, almost the boundaries so that you can embrace your most energetic and engaged self yeah. and bring that person to work rather than almost conforming to what is a traditional model that is outdated, mm. let's mm. say, and actually embrace flexibility because the technology allows us, the right cultures allow us to embrace flexibility. And, you know, there's very much more around embracing the uniqueness of every individual employee. So every individual will want to and need to work in a very different way. Now, obviously, as a, as a collective, we need to have uh, common rules as to, you know, what you are going to all turn up to and be present at and, you know, perhaps what certain hours are going to work for the business. You know, it's, it's wonderful if you can go in there straight off and actually set the expectations from your side because yeah, you'll just so. be a better employee you know it's interesting i have uh, been on both sides of that discussion actually mm. both as a leader of a team and as someone joining an organization and it's, it's really interesting i think for the people who are out there leading teams and think i'd love to implement some of this stuff in my organization or with my team but i'm not really sure how to start that journey and i would say we'll just start the conversation first. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah so when i first joined b&q and we were talking to the team that's one of the first sets of conversations i had with the team how do you want to show up what what's for you you know do you really need to be in the office five days mm. a week and you mm. know if you're a senior leader in an organization or you're you're managing a you know a, a medium-sized or growing business you know office space is expensive and so mm. there is a cost to this stuff yeah. we don't we're not always cognizant Absolutely. of it you know, yeah yeah cost power desk space yep. is important as you're growing your business do you really need to move offices and grow to grow your mm. business yeah. or do you need to just work in a different way and yeah. so i think that's where you know as a society that's how we start to move the conversation on it doesn't have to be the realm of big corporates it traditionally is because they have dedicated HR teams, mm-hmm. dedicated, mm. dedicated comms people, and yeah. the people who can make this work. But um, it can work for other businesses, mm. and it can, you know, it's just around how do we make the most of the technology we have, as you said. How do we have the right conversation so we all understand what's common across mm-hmm. each of our lives and mm. where's the bits we need to flex to yeah. to be at our mm. best? Jack, can I ask you to introduce yourself, what you do, and kind of how you work? Yeah. So, hello. Hello, Thank you for having me. Um, Our pleasure. I am Jack Lardenberg, and I am a uh, professional documentary photographer, I suppose, which is an umbrella which covers everything that I do, from weddings to uh, events, but also a lot of theatre and film Mm. stills and portrait work and personal project work. I've been a professional photographer for 12 years, and before that probably like so many people in the world now doing completely different things. <laughs> I was an actor um, uh-huh. and I went to drama school and I did the whole thing and had that whole th- sort of moment of, well, I know it's difficult for everyone else, mm. but, you know, I really feel like it's going to be me. And uh, and it wasn't. <laughs> I had this, this agent come up to me on, on the final show that I did and she went, you were really great in that. And I went, oh, thank you. And she went, yeah, I, I think you're going you're gonna to really do some stuff. And I went, oh, that's great. And she went, yeah. Give it 12 years. And I was like, I sort of did a double take, a cartoon double take. And I said, excuse me, sorry. And she went, well, you've got a young face and receding hair. Full stop. I mean, there was nothing else to it. Um, and then, you know, like a puppy dog sort of who had just been shot in the face. I was sort of going, oh, my goodness, that sounds awful. And all of my hopes have been dashed at the oh, first hurdle. Jack. And then it became a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, it, and it, not just because of that, it, it's a difficult industry. Yeah. So I wanted to do something creative and I wanted to stay 
sort of creative and I decided that I would uh, sort of have a think about what else I could do. I'd always loved photography and it's thanks to my mum who took me to loads of art galleries and specifically she realised that I I loved two things when I was little. One was theatre. She took me to lots of theatre and she loved, she realised that I loved photography. So she took me to loads of photo exhibitions. So it's it's really thanks to her that Mm. that I'm doing both things, I think. And, you know, the journey uh, with the camera has been just as interesting and sort of difficult to define as actually having to deal with having my own business Mm. and having to deal with, I suppose, which is more what this podcast is about, which is actually how to work by yourself and the mind games that you play with yourself over oh, the years yes. and, the, and the journey that you have to go to. And I think just as much as people in the corporate world find that it's really, really difficult and they have to go through a certain amount of pain to get to any sort of self-realization of how they want to work and actually what's going to work for them. I think that's self-employment too. Mm-hmm. I think that's photographers mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You've got to sort of be going, this isn't working. Why isn't this working? Mm-hmm. I'm not being productive. Why am I not being productive? It's like continual analysis, isn't Absolutely. it? Which in itself curiosity can make you go crazy. Well. It is because... <laughs> yeah. So I, I sort of found that actually... Yeah, I mean, as again with all people with their own small little business, and especially if they're solo tra- sole traders, you've got to both be every element of your business from the actual creative mm. to the marketing to mm. accounts mm. to everything mm. else. God, I hate it. Oh, yes. I know. Oh, <laughs> me too. Words is my thing, not me numbers. Me too. My accountant doesn't love me. I mean, no, I, I've got much better at it. But I think that it, it's really, really tough to, to learn that stuff. Mm. Uh, but I also think that learning that you actually have to be your own therapist. Yeah. Sort of. Oh, when, yeah. you know, and, and, yeah. and, and your own mentor until... You know, one of the key realizations for me as a photographer, anyway, is it's a very lonely job because you're out yeah. doing shoots by yourself. Mm. Then you come back to your office by yourself. You can't walk down the hall to someone else in the office and go, How do you deal with yeah. this? Yeah. Or yeah. How do you deal with X, Y, and Z? I mean, it's so tough at certain points thinking it's just me here. Mm-hmm. Now, I can be really proud of myself when something goes great, but when something doesn't go great or I feel like a bit stranded, mm. There's just no one to turn to unless Mm. you change that up and you go, right, I need to know other photographers. Mm. I need a mentor. Mm -hmm. I need to know that I it's okay to reach out to people for help. Mm. That's not failure. Mm. That's just you needing Mm. what most people Mm. basically always need in the workplace, which is support. And it's so important for sole traders especially to realize that you can have a really interesting lovely job and everyone's very envious and they say oh, it must be lovely yeah. being your own boss but they don't know the reality staring out of the window going why isn't this working today you need that help and luckily my wife is amazing she's an amazing businesswoman an amazing mother and a, an amazing woman but she's incredibly supportive mm. and she's a real go-getter and she really picks me up when I've had a bad day. Mm. But it shouldn't be her responsibility to do that. You know, I should have friends and mentors and people within the industry to sort of actually shore me up a bit. I'm 12 years in, I'm still learning. You raise a point about, you know, doing some self-analysis, and this sounds so corporate, so don't, like, judge me on this one. (laughs) But when I first started running my own business and being my own boss, I did a SWOT analysis. So the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. And what I identified in that one, the, th- the first thing that jumped out for me was the fact that I love being with other people and I recognised instantly but that being holed up in my office, it didn't have other people in it. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I wouldn't have somebody to turn to, you know, desk side that 
could teach me something that I could bounce an idea off that could just pet me up you know if I'm feeling a bit low there was nobody else to turn to and I recognized that I needed that so I was was and I use the word was purposefully really good actually reaching out and connecting with other people Mm. and had that as part of my kind of business plan really business you know routine but what I recognized was as I was developing the business and getting further into it I was getting more and more sucked into the tactical Mm. rather than the strategic bigger thinking and I realized that I wasn't spending as much time with people I enjoyed being with and I was slowly retreating into my office every day and not even reaching out to to people I was really desperately trying to hunker down and do this on my own because I could Mm. do this right and I think just blow that myth apart. Because, because it's so alienating and Because lonely. it's yeah. ridiculous. And it doesn't lead anywhere productive, Exactly. Ultimately. And I felt <laughs> so lonely. And I really recognise that. I, I felt that like I was inherently sad because mm. I was missing the company of other people. So I think whether it's that or whether it's other things that, you know, you recognise that you need in your life, because we're all individual, right? Mm. There's there's no right or wrong answer. And there's there's nothing wrong, as Jack says, you know, to, to reaching out to other people mm. for, for help and advice. And, I think you it's, know, a, it's, a, it's a really good point, actually. I would, you know, I'd reflect on the other side of that con, because I'm mm. a bit of a big old introvert, really. It's a bit odd. <laughs> I work, I work yeah. in internal cons and do a fair amount of present, presenting. But um, I actually, you know, I really value time on my own. My mm. wife laughs and said I would be quite happy if the world ended tomorrow and I was left on my own forever that would be my kind of perfect well it's not quite that extreme but um but I definitely recognise. So one, I have a lot of flexibility. You know, we just we discussed earlier how much flexibility mm. BT give me, which is amazing. I, I guess the dark side of that is it's very easy for me to retreat into mm. my own fronties yes. and to yes. hide behind email. I can be really productive. I can, you know, if I'm at home in the office, I can shut the door. Um, you know, my little boy will go off to nursery, my wife will go off to work, and I can just plough through a ton of work for twelve mm. hours straight if I allow myself to. You know. I never want to pick up the phone, never yeah. want to get on a Skype call and just create stuff, just loads do. of stuff, send a yeah. million emails out. And it's very easy, you know, to just fall into that trap of that's yeah. who you be. Mm, yeah. And all of your interactions become via email or instant mm. messenger and they're very impersonal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from a career perspective, particularly if you are someone who works in a big corporate, so much of your career is going to be built on relationships. And yeah. I guess even if you're not in yeah. big corporate, right, people are... Networks, you know, social, I mean, yeah. social beings, right? And so, you, there's only so much email can do for you. There's yeah. only so much yeah. instant message can do for you, or social media can. It's sometimes you just need to break out. And so, mm. the the dark side of flexible working is, you know, Lonely. you lock yourself in yeah. the office and you nice. become this electronic signature at the bottom of an email. <laughs> and actually... Yeah. And how do you kind of notice? So that resonates a lot with me so I when I'm not feeling great I become much more introverted um, and I kind of retreat behind a computer screen the struggle for me is always noticing when I've got to that point so how do you do that Martin when you know that that's your kind of natural instinct one of the things I think really helps is the way we've structured the team at BC and the way we structured the team at B&Q actually um, because people were working in different places at different times from different offices and um, there might be a couple of points in the week where we definitely get together so I'll always right. go to the office on a Wednesday I'll always spend Wednesday in the office that is my wife's at home that day she works four days a week so she's at home with my little on a Wednesday so I'll take the opportunity to 
out because mm. there's no stress on childcare and any yeah. risks around that. So I'll go to the office, I'll spend all day minimum on a Wednesday. And then in the rest of the week, we'll have points where we'll all get together on either Skype calls and, you know, we'll make an agreement that we'll turn video on. It's a small mm. thing, right? Mm. But having video on and Skype is yeah. just significantly yeah. more Because you're looking someone in the eye. Exactly, mm. rather than just audio. Um, yeah. And so we'll spend an hour just chatting through uh, what we got planned. And then at the end of the week, just checking in and we just have a little check-in on a Friday. Less than a year into my own business. I need a lot of time on my own. I can get through a lot of creative stuff on my own. I like being visually creative when I'm working alone, but then I come up with ideas and things when I'm with other people mm. and I, I'm still figuring out that dynamic of how I get the best out of myself now that I work for myself. And as you say, Jack, a company of one, it's it's mm. hard to kind of figure that stuff out and, and put some sort of structure in place that isn't too controlling but does get the best mm. out of you my answer to this quest to that question is completely different to what Mar- to, to martin's but it, it's interesting that that i have different ways that i sort of manage mm. you know when i need to talk to someone quite often it might be naomi at the end of the day if i need to but it will also be phoning up another photographer and just going kev what do i do you know i've got this happening or this happening and you do need occasionally that that support network mm. because mm. it can be so alienating. But for me, there can be no structure because, you're, you know, if you need to talk to someone else, you, they can't drop everything and talk to you mm. whenever you want them to. So you've got to be able to do things for yourself. And if you need to change it up, you need to do something that's self-sufficient. Mm. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about this outside. But actually, like for me, it's really, really important that... Uh, I have breaks during the day. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, if I need a change of space, that I go and work in a cafe and I hear white noise and I can actually just... It's just people are there. I don't need to talk to them. Mm. It's just nice to know that they're Mm. there. Um, And I suppose I'm I'm not such an introvert. So, I, I, you know, it's... it's, It's quite difficult for me to sort of spend so much time by myself. I don't mind it, actually. But it's that thing of not having any additional stimulus. So thank you both to Abby and Ed for joining us this morning. We'll just ask you a little bit about yourselves first, I think, to start off for our listeners. So Abby, do you want to say who you are and what you do? Yeah, so hi, I'm Abby Monroe. I'm an artist maker and I create tools to help folks live a simpler, slower, creative life. I literally love everything that Abby does. She's going to be too <laughs> modest today, so I'm going to be her cheerleader. And I'm Ed. I, I run something called Repute Associates, which is basically looking at corporate reputation, specifically kind of measurement. So a little bit more corporate than you, Abby, I guess. But the main thing is that we live in kind of reputational times. Everyone and everything's got a reputation. It seems to be something sort of going to be here for a long time now. And, mm-hmm. and it sort of touches every single aspect of your life. There is a kind of link between what you do, Ed, and what you do, Abby, because people want to do business with or buy from or be associated with brands that they know, like and trust. Mm-hmm. And that in essence is your reputation and, you know, the work you do, Abby, to kind of give people a flavour of who you are and what you do and what goes into what you do is you building your reputation. I often liken it a little bit to, to physical health. It's who you are as a person, how you project out into everyday life or whether it's clients mm-hmm. or whether it's your kids or whether it's your friends or whatever. Everyone's sort of knows, knows you for some particular reason. But I also think that if you don't work at it, it's a little bit like health um, Mm. either uh, from a mental well-being perspective or alternatively from a physical well-being perspective that you've really kind of got to put a little bit of effort in because 
I mean, this this kind of gets wrapped up not just in reputation, but just I think in 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 general terms. When I was starting out on my own, I had a conversation with a a, a guy who I think is almost kind of like a role model to me. He set up his own uh, public relations business, extraordinarily successful, and he made this comment, which just kind of pings around in my head whenever I'm feeling like the drift is coming on. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do anything or whatever. And he said, "Nothing comes from nothing." That's mm. that's ah. the only certainty. So if you don't do anything, mm. nothing's going to happen. No, definitely, and if you that. do so something, true. even though you don't necessarily know it's the right thing to do, you've you've started the engine <laughs> sort of making that's sort a really of like choo train sounds. Picasso quote but, that I always go to: that inspiration exists, but it has to find you working. Oh, it's so true. Yeah, I often get into this state of overwhelm where you kind of get overwhelmed by the volume of stuff that you have to or want to do and it's hard to then get started on anything but actually I really like that thought that if you start doing something it doesn't matter if it's the right in inverted commas thing Mm. to do Mm. it starts to break that cycle of overwhelm Mm. if I'm stuck and I'm not knowing what to do what to make in my studio or I'm procrastinating about making something I'll just do anything Mm. and I can't remember where I read it but it was maybe five or six years ago so even if that's just to start cutting up paper that I know I've got to do for something else within half an hour I'm in flow yeah and then Mm. I haven't even thought about that sticky moment beforehand and whenever I'm in that moment of overwhelm Mm. you know like Joe says you know running your own business there's so much you could possibly do but I'm really focused on my quarterly goals and when I'm in that overwhelm moment I always make myself stop so go and do something different because I can get hooked into just doing stuff or just freezing It, it can it can go in either way and what I like to focus on then is doing something that's going to take me forwards towards mm. my goals. So then it really then focuses me on something that's really productive and valuable. And from then I get back into my flow. So I think mm. different things work mm-hmm. for different people, don't they? One thing that always goes around in my head is what one thing could you do that would move your business forward? Mm. And that always helps me cut through the kind of gubbins on the list to get to the thing that will really help. Sorry, I have a quote on my wall that says, is what you're doing right now taking your business where you want it to go? Yeah, mm. that's the same kind of principle then, mm. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's not quite as uh, profound as <laughs> what you say, but I kind of often, I haven't written anything down, but I just ask myself, how am I going to win the day? Um, or oh, how am I going to win the week yeah. or win the month? Yeah. Because sometimes, I mean, quarterly stuff, even though it's only kind of inverted commas, three, it three does months, still feel it too feels big. like a yeah, yeah, massively yeah. long time yeah, away yeah. if it's just you. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes if you kind of like bring that back to say, okay, well, what about the month? <laughs> yeah. That, maybe that's a bit too kind <laughs> well, of like... Well, this hour. Or even <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but exactly. The hour. You kind of like just narrow it down, narrow it down, narrow it down. And then you feel like... I you're, like you're that we- wording, how can I win yeah. today? Yeah. And I think one of the other really profound things is that obviously people have got a sense of ownership about their own business because it's your idea. It's how mm. you started. It's what you do. It's how mm. you expressed yourself. It's probably a degree of self-expression within there. But I think it acted as it's either a reminder on the one hand or maybe even an epiphany that, that winning is actually quite important to me and it's not necessarily like sort of competitive dad got I mean I'm crap, crap at sports <laughs> so it's not like winning at all costs or winning to kind of disadvantage but I think that if you have that sense where you feel you've earned something whether that's money or respect or status or whatever that to me is is kind of quite a driver so even expressing it in terms of like 
winning the day. You could equally say, what have I done to move my business forward today? Mm -hmm. But for me personally, that doesn't feel as profound as like, how are you going to win? Mm. And how are you, because the only person who's defining how you'll win, how you're going to win mm. is yourself. Mm -hmm. And so win, the winning the day to me could be getting the proposal out. It could mean writing an article, it, even if it's just a small 15 minute thing that you've been putting off. Mm. That to me feels like... I've, I've actually achieved something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And that, I think, kind of lodges in the, well, certainly for me, it lodges in the back of my mind, has a little bit of dopamine in there and <laughs> says, OK, well, mm. that's, that's good. That's all right. For me, it's taken me and it's still taking me a long time to figure out what works for me and what I enjoy and what makes me productive. And mm. I'm really interested to hear, because I know both of you work for yourself, you're kind of companies of one. What works for you in like your working day or routine? How yeah, do give you... us some advice. Yeah, please, please help us. <laughs> I think it's that acceptance that it's mm. going to take you a long time to work it out. And I have reinvented or rebranded or whatever you like to call it my business quite a few times and I've gone down lots of different paths and sometimes I've done things because it's paying the bills but it's not actually really what I want to be doing and then you realise that you're not enjoying it and now finding something that I absolutely love and enjoy doing just gives me that momentum to keep mm. going. But it, it has taken time. And I think finding my purpose, which is quite a big thing, but my values and my beliefs mm. of me personally and then marrying them up with what I want to do and put out in the world, that's been what's mm. ticked all the boxes and got me to where I am now. Uh, it's interesting how kind of semantics really affect things. Like for me, the word win is quite pejorative. It has quite a negative feeling for me. I still have this burnout breakdown hangover of like constantly trying to push and strive and hustle and it not working for me. And I have realised that the thing I want most in life is just, oh God, this is going to make me sound so trite, but it's just to be happy. <laughs> and the no, way I want to run my yeah. business mm -hmm. is to help me live There's a life. <laughs> Why shouldn't we be happy? I know. Our lives are so short exactly. and fraught. So my kind of aversion to like hustle, strive, girl boss culture is because I don't want a fraught life I want no. a calm happy existence and I want my work to feel like that and allow me to live my life in that way I try and give myself quite clear focuses across the three months I don't do things generally I don't book in things before like 10 in the morning because I don't want to have to be like getting up really early and worrying about getting somewhere on time and so you already are yeah realizing how you work and your strengths and is yeah finding do I have an afternoon slump right in that mm. afternoon mm -hmm. I do every day like three o'clock I could quite happily get into bed and go to sleep if I'm struggling you look at the clock and go well you're never going to achieve that now so go and do something else mm. and then come back to it so it's working out jobs for times of the day as well so it's like when can I when am I really good at replying to emails mm. or sending out pitches and once you've sort of slotted those in and you work with your rhythms as of the day then it just becomes easier so if you've got any advice for us or, or our listeners how do you kind of work that out i do a 12-week plan josephine brooks 12-week plan and mm -hmm. then she has her weekly planners so there's three things 
there's the must-dos and then the could-dos. Mm. So the must-dos get done in what I call my power hour. So I know it's not an hour, it's a couple more hours, but mm-hmm. I know that when my brain is really engaged and I can work without external noise coming in, internal noises as well (laughs) the inner critic wakes up Uh and my brain wakes up before the inner critic does so I know that if I get those jobs done then if I've got to do a copy page on my website or I've got to send pictures out that I slot those in and most of those are my musties because it's like those musties have to get done when I'm really feeling alert and then the could do's just changing that terminology has just changed it must do should do's all of just getting rid of all of those Mm. so Yeah, the musties, I've set myself those goals because I know that that will help me win the day, help me move forward in my business. Mm -hmm. But if they don't get done, they just get moved across. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about planning out in the 12-week chunks. It's like, even though I have set that for this week, other things happen and you can just move them along. So Mm -hmm. if things don't get done, it's like, well, if they haven't got done and other things have taken priority, then maybe that's just... There's a Maybe they were meant to that. be, yeah. So yeah. then they go on ideas for next quarter, and I've had ideas on next quarter that have moved. Now we're in Q4 that I had in Q1, but maybe they're not ready until mm. next year. I find it really hard to strike the match. I find mm. it hard to do things without a full plan or mm. without a kind of idea of where it's going to end up. And I love that idea of striking the match and just seeing what happens. Mm. And You've I got think, to go beta version. Yeah, yeah. that's right. It's been a game changer for me the last six months is someone saying, just chuck out a beta version because yeah. my perfectionism stopped me from doing so much with my business, so much. And since I've changed that and since I've put out beta versions, my business has grown the last six months more than it has since I launched in 2011. So I've got another phrase that I use, which is progress over perfection. Mm. Because Do the stuff. perfectionism in me means that I, I want to craft it and keep going. And I can. There's always another version that. So I think your beta version, Abby, is a really good idea because that would give me permission to not only progress things but try things out. Mm. And I think I've been almost afraid to try things out because yeah. I've not perceived them to be perfect. Yeah. Or B plus mm. B plus work. There was a something I heard the other day. Yeah. You would you be happy with a B plus at school? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. So why wouldn't mm. you? put work out in your business yeah. as B plus why has it yeah. got to be A star yeah. thinking back to what you started with Ed about kind of our reputations like one of the things that I love about using kind of Instagram and being more open about the way I run my business in inverted commas because it still doesn't feel like a business but you know it is is being honest about that stuff like you know when you release something saying I really do genuinely want your feedback because I'm not sure if this Mm. is the finished article or how do you think I could improve this or do you like it? I think being honest about that stuff Mm. makes you more human and then the people Mm. who do want to do business with a human want to do business with you and the people who want to do business with robots or corporations don't do business with you, which is fine by me. (laughs) And big corporations do focus groups and all sorts of market testing before they launch products Mm. so i think as small businesses we need to do that more yeah Mm. my backup plan which i only really kind of found out by um accident really is um i do a bit of volunteering so there's a there's a local really lovely local charity called fish and it's around kind of enabling 
older people to carry on living independent lives so they're not kind of like shunted off to the care home or whatever mm. so it's people who are typically either on their own or maybe a little bit infirm and they've kind of got this bat phone so they've got the helpline and the helpline particularly in the summertime because a lot of these people have got gardens the helpline rings to say can you do a bit of gardening for person x and mm. the grass was six inches tall when i started and an hour or mm. uh, two hours later or whenever um, it's now it looks kind of halfway decent doesn't have to be perfect but the amount of gratitude that you get mm, from yeah. that person oh, and it really yeah. changes that and it's not altruistic I'm, i mean i'm I, i'm kind of quite happy saying it's not like i'm giving and i'm, I'm sort of this benign person i'm doing it to make my fe- myself feel better mm-hmm. and if it's something that it's an hour or 90 minutes of your time and it's it was it it was in a bad state now it's in a better state i think even if it takes you outside of this uh, kind of potentially negative scenario where you could end up kind of talking to yourself or things aren't going right mm. um it kind of places yourself for that brief moment of time in someone else's shoes and you've actually done something that you probably think is actually relatively insignificant but it's got a massive incremental Mm. benefit to the person Mm. you're doing it for and it's done. You can move away and it kind of, again, sort of gives you the little bit of buzz. That's wonderful. Yeah, I've been on my kind of like list thinking, you know, oh, when when things are perfect in the business, I'm going to go and do some volunteering and I think now actually i don't think i need to wait for this point that might never come maybe in the new year yeah. i'll sign yeah, yeah, yeah. up to do some and I, I i just think very selfish almost on my part i just use it tactically mm. if i'm busy or things are going kind of really well then i i won't have time to do this yeah. but when i really need and it's exactly the same for i don't know um for exercise or whatever mm. i'm not as disciplined i wish i was to say okay at time x for three times a week i'm going to do this and that's i'm sure that that works for a lot of people but it doesn't seem to work to me uh, for me but i think actually getting sort of putting your shoes on and physically getting out there and going for a run or whatever it is just really just moving i think really helps Mm. as well even if it's not anything to do with your business but actually just doing just acting just being and exist as opposed to existing i think is um a really powerful thing for people to get involved in and and to recognize you said about acts of kindness so i i use a journal i've used a few different ones i use a it's called the enlightenment planner it's very much surrounded around Buddhist sort of theories, but there's acts of kindness. So every week you schedule, actually schedule in an act of kindness. Mm. So that might be similar to mm. what you were yeah, talking yeah. about with doing voluntary work, because I got a little bit addicted to acts of kindness. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best procrastination. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if I'm doing stuff for other people, I haven't got to worry about my business mm. failing. Mm. And I got into a situation where I was just doing free work mm. yeah, all the time. Mm. And so now I do have to control it and having mm. that. <laughs> so now that I can schedule in what's yeah. going to be my act of kindness this week, which feels a bit contrived, but it is working for me. So mm. I'm going to carry on with mm. it because it does give you that warm, fuzzy yeah. feeling. But I can't do it all the time. Can I just ask you all, I found that when I first went self-employed, and I've talked to other people about this, that family, friends thought I was just doing nothing. Yes. Oh, so yes. they're constantly asking you, 
oh can you do this can yeah. you do that yeah. and that's what I've that's been a struggle for me how do I when oh what are you doing today and I can't give them a list of yeah. what I'm doing today because it's uh, I'm running my business yeah mm. but that doesn't seem to stop them from going oh can you could you just do this or just expecting you mm-hmm. to be able to expecting you to have all that freedom so I live with my boyfriend and when I first started working from home he would be like oh can you do this or can you do the washing or can you sort this and I'd be like no because I'm working just because I'm working in the house doesn't mean Mm. I have to do all the things in the house it took us a while as a couple to kind of get into this new routine of how we live now that I work from home I have and I'm still very fortunate in terms of having a, a sort of a safety net almost because my wife has been freelance for 25 years and no 15 sorry 15 years so she's of a like so she gets yeah what's Mm. the sort of the the perils and pitfalls i think it's also kind of very good having that degree of accountability as Mm. well because Mm. there is being at home of course and then there's working at home Mm. and sometimes i think particularly if you haven't got your shit together it's kind of like (laughs) there's the at home bit whereas the working bit isn't isn't sort of quite so um uh doesn't doesn't come quite so naturally um and i think again it takes it takes time it took me i mean I, I, not to speak for everyone, but I feel like uh, corporate life, it's its just the same as if you've been in an institution for a significant part of your life. And then there's a fundamental change because it's not just what you do between nine and nine to five. It's everything. Yeah. yeah. It's not like you've just left the office and you can go home to your family. It's, it's, it is life. This is life. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a very, very, very profound change for people to come to terms with. I found it very, very difficult. Um, I still do at times. Um, and I'd say... What, to I, switch off? What, n- not to switch off, just to come to terms with that. Of, yeah. To sort of say, well, I could do a bit of work now or I could uh, kind of do mm. something else or have fun with my with my daughter or whatever. Mm. I think there's that kind of underlying discipline which, because you, you're not in this hierarchical structure anymore, you've got to kind of create yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very difficult if you don't either have that recognition to begin with and secondly I think that you almost need to go through well what I found is that I've had to kind of experiment Mm. with what will kind of carry on keeping me motivated Mm -hmm. and a little bit like like you Abby in terms of having to change uh, your business or find the best path Mm. that will will mm. get you kind of like the strongest response almost. I think even that's an external um, way of addressing your business. I think there's also the internal experimentation of kind of talking to yourself in a different way, yeah. of viewing mm. things, of, of changing your own narrative. I found something helpful, um, someone was saying about writing your CV, like especially when you've been out of work for quite a long time, but also to write yourself a job description. Mm. But the CV sort of works in in tangent with that with your strengths and weaknesses so it might be actually they're my weaknesses so can I outsource that yeah because you can't yeah I did a yeah. course a couple of years ago called how to do it all when how to get it done when you're a business of one and it was very much about right if I'm going to just work with my strengths then I have to address my weaknesses and then what yeah. can I do to outsource those get them done yep. by something else use tools use that and finding that out really really helped me mm. yeah 
And also to add on to that, so I do exactly the same. Mm. So it was a bit corporate and I was talking to the to our other guests earlier about my SWOT analysis that I do. Yeah. And but I add on to that in terms of it's not just what my strengths are that I focus on, but actually what I really enjoy. Yes. Because financially I'm I'm pretty savvy and I'm quite good with numbers. Right, just so that you know. But I'm not an accountant. <laughs> I have no idea what, you know, how to best manage my money and my tax and, you know, all of that. Yeah. So it's not my interest. So whilst I'm yeah, whilst exactly, I'm good at it, exactly. it's not what I want to be doing. Mm, no. So I absolutely outsource that piece. Yeah. So I think it's looking for those things where you're good at and you mm. really, really enjoy, enjoy doing it. as well. Yeah, that's like the sweet spot, isn't it? It is. Mm. Yeah, mm. I think that's it, isn't it? Like organising your business in a way that means that you can enjoy it the most. For me, growing, it was just going back to my values. And even though I was like, still not making any money, still not making any money, I really, really believed in what I was doing for the first time. And I felt like it was so, such a reflection of me. And because I'm an artist and my business is my name and everything I put out there is a reflection of some part of me, to have that honesty and authenticity within it, I just knew that it was the right thing to do so even though yeah it's still difficult and it will still take a long time to grow I know that it's I'm on the right path mm. I think that's you it feel like, it. when you've got like I feel the same I know this is the right thing to do mm. and like you Ed it's I like know I, feeling. Mm. yeah I know it's the right thing for me I know it's needed and I know I don't want to work for another organization yeah. so I've got to make it work Mm-hmm. And again, that that plus the giving myself the freedom to strike the match, to try the thing, to give it a whirl, I think is quite can be quite powerful. It's empowering, isn't it? Yeah. And I think we're really privileged because we can go yes. back to work if we yeah. so if we choose if, yeah, to, yeah. Yeah. yeah, if we so choose to. Yeah, and I think it's uh, strangely it's um, it's much more comforting to look in the long term but retrospectively so if you look back to when you started your business did you have any idea that you'd be doing a podcast no no with joe (laughs) in kind of seven months time no no idea you you have no idea where where this takes you but that's all and every single Mm. part of that is down to your own energy and Mm. i think that it doesn't really matter if you. I think. Well, for me personally, that's far more motivating to say, "Oh, I did that," um, and mm. the reason why this has happened isn't kind of like, "Oh, someone we we got lucky or whatever." Someone actually had to respond to your website and like what you had mm. to offer, mm. and they wouldn't have done that without you no one's because you wouldn't have found me there's if not I had a little been elf visible. kind of you like doing it yeah. for you Jay, so yeah. yeah exactly yeah. and I think yeah. that that's and uh, that that's why you get back to the nothing comes from nothing if you don't yeah, kind of like just great way of find the energy from somewhere and sometimes that's really blooming difficult mm. to find the energy um but you, I think the the kind of the discipline the habit that you almost have to get into is how do you how do you find your energy 
to do what you do. And mm. if that's working in different day parts, or mm. if that's kind of I don't know,、uh, kind of writing a morning journal, whatever it happens to be, that is neither here nor there. No one needs to know or, or kind of adopt that because it might not work for them.、Mm. But if you've got the energy, then stuff will happen. It will.、Mm. Yeah. I think that's a lovely point to end. That's on. an amazing point to end on. Thank you so Lots much. Lots of energy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank、Thanks、you both. So that's it for season one of A Place to Thrive. Thank you so so much for listening to our first season of podcasting. We've loved creating these ten episodes for you, and are excited to come back in 2020 with season two. Absolutely, it's been amazing, hasn't it, Joe? Thanks to all of our guests. We won't name them because we might miss somebody out, but I think we need to make a special mention for our wonderful patient. Tolerant, so so patient. Producer, Sorry, Alex. <laughs> Alex from Distorted. They have just been absolutely fabulous, and yeah, we can't recommend them enough, can we, Joe? Alex from This Is Distorted. We love you. We are sorry that we're such. Novice podcasters and pains in the arse. So much editing and answering so many ridiculous technological questions.、Uh, if you still want to work with us for season two, we'd love to work with you. Yeah, so we come back into your ears in 2020. Date to be confirmed, but it'll be early in the new year, won't it, Joe? Yeah, fingers crossed. And we've got some great guests lined up already, and we've got some exciting ideas which we're not going to share right now. But we've got a really, really exciting idea that could involve you even more, and maybe in person. <gasps> Should I have said that? Teasing. <laughs> Properties. <laughs> We hope that you all have a wonderful break over Christmas and New Year. Take some time for yourself. Take some time to relax, rest, recharge, reflect on the year and everything you've achieved. And we will be back in your ears in 2020. Absolutely. And don't forget to follow us,、uh, subscribe, and listen so you can keep up to date with when we're going to launch season two. Follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram and all the usual places. Details are in the show notes. And give us your feedback. You know, if you've got any particular special requests for season two, then of course. Do get in contact with Joe or myself, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy your Thanks, break. Thanks, guys. Have a wonderful new year. Bye. <laughs>